Hi, Peter Bulker here and welcome to today's edition of the Transition Guy. Now joining me today in the studio is Cody Berman. And I would probably call you, what would we say, serial entrepreneur? That sounds about right. That sounds about right. <laughs> now a lot of people don't quite understand what serial entrepreneur really means. So what would be your definition of a serial entrepreneur? Serial entrepreneur is someone who just is invigorated by trying all these different business ideas. So regardless of what your passions are, just trying all these different ways to make money, to start businesses and to help other people and expand your reach. Now, that's interesting you say that because a lot of people would make the assumption that a serial entrepreneur is someone that is highly successful in business, but that doesn't need to be the case, does it? I honestly think that a lot of the most successful entrepreneurs are, they, they fail in a lot of these businesses that they build because that's how they get better. They learn lessons from trying so many businesses, from trying to build so many things from the ground up. Even in my own story, I mean, I've had failures, but those have been like stepping stones to bigger successes down the road. Now, you didn't always start off as an entrepreneur, or did you always have entrepreneurial tendencies? I always did have a little bit of entrepreneurial tendencies. I actually read The 4-Hour Workweek when I was 19. My mom sent me that book, and that kind of just lit the fire under me. He, Tim Ferriss talked about these things called muses, which in my community is more popularly called side hustles. And I was just hooked on that idea that you know, instead of trading your time for money on a linear basis where you have to work this many hours to get this paycheck, you could like build a business. You could build this almost passive income machine where you're putting the work in up front and then reaping the benefits of that work later on. And that is quite an alien. That's quite an alien sort of concept for most people, because most people are brought up with a whole belief structure that you've got to work hard for your money. Now, it's interesting that your mom gave you the book, The 4-Hour Week. I mean, that's probably the best present she's ever given you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's not very often <laughs> I hear that, though. That's, uh, that's, that's quite impressive. Yeah, kudos to her. That changed my whole life. But even though you did have that book, you did have a corporate career for a period of time. Very short period of time. I was you know, going through college. I studied finance and economics. I had internships in... I had one in like private equity. I had one in corporate banking. So once I graduated, I took a job in commercial real estate lending, but I only lasted in that job for seven months, quite honestly, because I knew this whole other world was out there. Entrepreneurship, I could be my own boss. I did have several side hustles while I was working that job. So I had a little bit of like a safety net, I guess. And yeah, seven months and I was out. Well, tell me a little bit more about a side hustle. Side hustle. That's a subject that's really dear to my heart. And I believe that everybody should have a side hustle. I agree. Not only for the monetary aspect, but just for skill building, for getting out of your comfort zone. So I define a side hustle as something that you earn money with outside of your day job or your nine to five. So this could be driving for Uber. This could be babysitting. This could be you know building websites. This could be a podcast. This could be online courses. There's so many different things that kind of fall into that side hustle bucket. And we could talk about the different types of side hustles if you want, Peter. But yeah, a side hustle essentially in one sentence is just something you do outside of your day job to earn money. So you had your side hustles while you were working corporately. When was that pivotal point for you when you knew, okay, it's time to sort of move from corporate into one of the side hustles? So I was intentionally frugal as I was going through this journey while I was in corporate. And so I knew that if I could keep my expenses month over month really low, I'd have a lot more flexibility to take risk. So what I did was I saved almost 90% of my income from that corporate banking job. I was earning about 1,000 to 1,200 US dollars a month. 
in my side hustle income. And I was also spending about 1000 to 1200 US dollars a month. So it was pretty much just breaking even. And then I was saving like almost everything from that corporate job. So by the time I quit, I'd actually saved up almost $50,000. And, you know, some of the savings came before that job, but I was, I've always been a saver. That was something my parents were really good about teaching me. So what I thought was like, okay, I have $50,000 saved up. I'm spending about $1,000 a month. I have 50 months of freedom to try this entrepreneur thing. Like I can make $0 in income, but you know, the fact that my base expenses are so low, it just gives me so much freedom and flexibility. So that's kind of how I approach things. And that's a big reason why I was able to take the leap and become successful in entrepreneurship. And I think one thing that you touched upon there that's really important is that you had a financial runway. So mm. you had that 15 months ahead of you. So you knew that you could commit to this but be okay for 15 months before you had to make a choice. Exactly. Yeah, that was huge. Because a lot of people, I mean, they go into their side, well, they don't even go into their side hustle first. They'll kind of jump out of the fire into the frying pan without realizing it. Whether they've lost their job or whatever, they go into working for themselves. But it just amazes me, especially in professional services, how little income they have ahead of them and how quickly they run out of cash and end up going back and working for somebody else. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. That's one of the things I tell people though, because a lot of people, they idealize this entrepreneurship thing, but you do, if you are working a corporate job, like you have to have some kind of a safety net. You have to have some kind of a proven concept, even if that's making a couple hundred dollars freelancing or building a business. Like once you have that, now you can dedicate all your time once you quit that corporate job. But if you have nothing to go to, you're going to find yourself working, you know, Uber for 16 hours a day or fill in some other transactional side hustles to fill in that gap. And then, like you said, Peter, you might ultimately just end up going back into that same field because you didn't have a game plan going into it. Now, if someone starts their business and let's say their business isn't generating the income that they want, Instead of giving up on the dream, because that's what a lot of people do. They think, oh, damn it, I failed. They give up on it, and then they go back and work for somebody else. Surely that is the optimal time to make sure you've got a side hustle or a part-time job. It may well be that your side hustle is your business, and actually what gives you security and allows you to grow your business is getting that part-time job. Yeah, I think a big reason, like I said, that I was able to do this was because I was kind of leveraging that, whether it's a day job, whether it's a part-time job, just having some kind of ancillary income to fund that business venture. Because a lot of people think it's one thing or the other. You have to be, you know, quit your job cold turkey, become an entrepreneur, become successful, or you work a day job. It's not that cut and dry. Like, like you said, it's so important for people to have side hustles, to realize that you can earn money outside of your employer. Because, you know, a lot of people say, nine to fives are kind of a trap or a salary, a salary is almost a trap to get you to keep working for that employer. But if you kind of get this ideology and you have an idea, you can actually use your salary as a tool to design this life you want and go and try these different entrepreneurial ventures. Now, what's really interesting as well is that we've had the pandemic. I mean, we've had, we've had global lockdowns and all of a sudden as the economy starts, well, starts to open up, it's like, in the UK alone, we've got like a million vacancies. And like in the US, there's tons of vacancies. And it's like all of a sudden, the people that were working pre-pandemic, they've like disappeared. Now, they haven't quite disappeared. They're still there. Do you think the great resignation is playing a really big part in the availability of so many jobs? 
I think the fact that people got so comfortable getting government handouts and, you know, leaving that really low wage job that might suck, like working at McDonald's drive through or, you know, a lot of these people, it's like the very it's the lowest tier jobs in terms of the pay scale. I think a lot of these people are just fed up. They're they're not going to be there for it. They're not going to go and, you know, make seven dollars an hour anymore. They know that there's something else out there. And, you know, it might have taken a pandemic for people to realize that. But I think, yeah, again, people have just gotten really comfortable with, you know, getting those weekly paychecks from the government and not wanting to go back to that job that pays them an abysmal rate. But what now? Because the paychecks have stopped. Yeah, it's I'm not sure what's going to happen now. There's definitely, you know, a lot of people are talking about, oh, there's a labor shortage. But you, I see help wanted signs on every fast food place in my town on every single entry level job around the city. It's crazy. It's just, I think people don't want to subject themselves to those really low wage jobs anymore. There's kind of a, an uprising, a strike per se against these, you know, these really low wages. And there will be a group of people that will want to work for themselves. Yeah. I I don't think it's for everyone. Yeah. But for for other people, surely at some stage, the money is going to run out. And then they're going to have to make a decision, right? What Mm -hmm. do they do? Now, I know a lot of people are looking at this through rose-tinted glasses and thinking, oh, yeah, it'd be really good. I've I've been used to working from home. I've been used to being at home. Everyone's now talking about the digital-centric world. It's all moved digital, which it hasn't. A lot has moved, but not everything's moved digital. And they've got this sort of romantic illusion that they're going to be able to just work from home and some will, but many won't. When did you know that you were cut out to be an entrepreneur? Because it isn't rosy all the time. No, not even close. I have had some monumental failures, which have led to later on successes. But I think it was honestly when and when I was 19, when I read the 4-Hour Workweek. And I tried to start a couple businesses. A couple of them failed. I ended up having a semi-successful physical goods business selling uh, disc golf discs for people who don't know what that is. It's basically like ball golf, except instead of hitting a ball into a hole with a club, you're throwing a plastic disc into what's called a pin or chains. Um, So yeah, I kind of had some early success. That was like the third business I legitimately tried. And ever since then I was like, okay, I can do this. Like I can, I know how to earn money outside of a traditional employer. Although I wasn't earning life-changing money, just even earning a hundred dollars a month or $500 a month, getting that motivation and understanding that you have this power and you don't need to you know, work for the quote unquote man in order to get that paycheck. That was super transformative for me. So I think ever since that point was when I realized that, okay, I think this entrepreneur thing is for me. Do you think too many people look at trying to find that sort of golden nugget, that business that's just going to make them rich without going through the steps along the way and having those failures and trying and maybe having a couple of the side hustles which don't generate fortunes, but buy you time. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. I think most people I hear who want to get into entrepreneurship in some capacity think they need a life-changing invention, a life-changing app, something so revolutionary that nobody else has thought of it before. But that's just not the case. You can go and start any old business as an entrepreneur and maybe have your own little twist on it and be extremely successful. I see this every single day with people in my inner circles who are just crushing it with these jobs that they're not revolutionary. They're not inventing a new app. They're not inventing the best new gadget ever, but they're making, you know, six, seven figures on their own. 
and it may be just not our one business. They may have two or three smaller businesses, each generating a chunk of cash. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So the more side hustles, the more streams of income you can have, the more protected you'll be against one of those completely going away. Especially when it comes to a day job. You know, so many people. We just talked about the pandemic and the great resignation and layoffs. And so many people just didn't have a backup plan. So when they might have lost that job in the beginning of 2020, they had no other income streams until the government kind of kicked in. So it's always a good idea, even if it's a couple hundred dollars a month, to have some kind of other income stream other than your day job. What do you think prevents people from taking that leap? I think a lot of it is fear. I think a lot of it is lack of confidence. I think, quite frankly, some of it might be laziness because it's not too difficult to make some kind of a side hustle income. To build a huge brand, to make six or seven figures, of course, that's going to be difficult. But a lot of people, I think I read a stat a couple of weeks ago, it's like four and a half hours of television a day. That is a lot of time that people could spend even an hour of that doing something else, whether that's freelance writing, taking surveys online. Like It's not a lot of money, but it's it's something on the side. So I just think a lot of time people are wasting the hours in the day. Everyone has the same number of hours in the day, just more successful people are typically more strategic with those hours. And that's probably, you've hit the nail on the head there. I mean, to be 19 and reading the four hour work week, it kind of gives you an idea of a mentality. You could have been watching the movie instead, but you invested mm-hmm. that time in, and you probably do quite a bit of self-development as you've sort of grown as an entrepreneur, probably quite an avid reader, whether or listening to podcasts or taking any other information. So what advice would you give to people right now, right in the middle of it? Probably, as you said, don't want to go back to the old life, but know that they can't live off the money that they've been, the government money that they've been receiving. What would you say? My number one piece of advice always is just get started. It sounds so cliche, but it's so true. You will, you don't know what you don't know until you do the thing. So try that business, you know, start side hustling. It might be really scary at first. I totally get it. I have had a bunch of failures. I've wasted thousands of hours. I've lost thousands of dollars in various ventures along the way, but I would not be where I am today if I didn't go out on a limb, get started, lean into fear, get comfortable being uncomfortable and, you know, taking the steps forward that other people are a little, little hesitant to. No, and you know, that's good advice. I mean, I know the old saying, you make your first thousand it's difficult, but if you lose that thousand, it's easy to make it back because mm. you know how to make it back. It's the same with growing your own business. Once you learn to turn over $50,000 or 50,000 pounds, if you lose that money, it's no biggie. You can make it back again, but you've got to get started. Mm-hmm. Now, if people want to connect with you and learn more about you, where do they go? Well, if you're listening to this awesome podcast, you can also check out my podcast where we talk about financial independence and entrepreneurship and all this stuff. It's called The Fi Show, The Financial Independence Show anywhere you listen and yeah, probably the best way to connect with me. Well, there you have it. And again, it is the stuff that you, you put out stuff just for the normal person who's wanting to run their business or who are running their business. And it's about financial independence for you really, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's the goal. And if you don't mind me asking, how old are you now? I am 25 years old. Okay. How long did it take you to achieve your financial independence? I had a very unusual and rapid route, but, about five years from when I read the four hour work week. 
so through in five all these years. ventures. Yep. <laughs> Crazy fast timeline. But once you kind of understand the mechanics, it's, it's easier than people think. I won't say that there weren't elements of luck and, you know, good things that came my way, but it is possible. And there's always going to be good things that come our way. And there's always going to be bad things that come our way. And I suppose the most important thing is when bad things come our way, it's our ability to ride that storm. Yeah. We actually pick ourselves up and keep going. But that's only four years. Now, would you say that you've got some magnificent superpower that no one else has got? No, I think the two things that I can attribute most of my success to has been one networking, meeting the right people. And, you know, a lot of these networkings are failed in college. I used to have a spreadsheet of when I was trying to get like investment banking jobs, I had a spreadsheet of 500 people from all these different companies that I would reach out to. I did the same thing like in professionally, I keep a list of people I'm connecting. Maybe I get a one out of 100 hit rate, but the one that I connect with that I make a really stellar connection with some of those have absolutely transformed my life. And two is kind of the leaning into fear thing. I think a lot of people, and we're almost, almost trained. I'm not sure if it's the same in the UK. In America, especially growing up, we were almost trained to fear failure. It's like that everyone gets a trophy. You don't want to lose. You don't want to have the worst grade in the class. You don't want to be the worst at sports. But failure is almost something that, you know, it's an absolute no. But I think failure is one of the best things, especially for entrepreneurs, because you just learn so much from all those mistakes you're going to make. And you'll never you'll never get that information from reading books, from watching YouTube videos, from reading articles until you do it and you learn those mistakes and then just keep getting there and better from them. And, and that's true. I mean, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has failures. Okay. The failures may not result in the loss of business where the business has to close down, but there's always going to be setbacks and there's always going to be challenges. I think at the end of the day, I think you, you're quite right. We're, we grow up in a society where people think that failure is bad and we've got to keep up with everybody else. Whereas, you know what, failure is good, providing you learn from it and you don't repeat it. Well, if anything that we spoke about today resonates with you, you want a bit more information, head over to balka.com and get in touch. Cody, do you know what, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being an awesome guest. Have you got any final parting comments for the audience before we wrap up? I think it was just what I said before. It was, you know, lean into failure, dream big. That's another one it is I used to think I had a growth mindset instead of, until I started like connecting with other masterminds and at conferences. And I was like, I am not dreaming big enough at all. Like what I have in mind for goals, these entrepreneurs think they're laughing at it. So that's another thing as well. Like you are capable of so much more than you think you are. So, you know, dream big, have that vision board. Of course, you kind of have to celebrate the wins along the way. But I think there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with having these huge audacious goals. So that's another thing that's helped me along the way and hopefully can help you as well. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Cody, for being an awesome guest. Thank you, Peter. It was a blast.